Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This is the Minnesota State Patrol. You are in violation of Minnesota State Statute. What's unfolding in Minnesota, potential to spill out and get out of control. The J&J vaccine. The risk of a blood clot is exceptionally low. Real infrastructure, $2.3 trillion. The crisis on the border. Chaos. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Wednesday, News and Views, and Pat McCory makes it official. The former Gov has decided to, at least temporarily, put his uh, radio career on hold while he decides and announces at on his program on WBT this morning that he will be leaving the show and that he is uh, going to run for Richard Burr's seat in the 2022 U.S. Senate race. I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to run for the U.S. Senate because I'm simply the best for the job, he said. Of all the candidates that are considering to run for the U.S. Senate, Republicans and Democrats, I'm best for the job, and if I wasn't, I wouldn't run. Confidence is good. <laughs> I, I think Pat McCory would be a lot better than Richard Burr. Let me put it that way. He's hung in there, and I think McCory would be a whole lot better than Burr. McCory joins U.S. Representative Mark Walker as a top-tier candidate in the Republican field. This uh, will be one of several, and probably a lot more than several, Ted Budd is a concerning run. I, I think he will run from what he said. Laura Trump's name has been put out there. I, I don't know that she's going to run. As I've said, when Benny and I had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, I like Laura a lot, but I do think you need to live in the state if you're going to run for uh, being the U.S. Senator from the state. You know, if you go back to how it was originally set up, the state legislature would appoint our U.S. senators. I don't think the state legislature would appoint someone who doesn't live in the state. Uh, of course, another name that has come up just yesterday, and there's an article on uh, the Carolina Journal about this, that Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is apparently thinking of running. I like Mark Robinson a lot. I like him a lot. I like what he stands for, and he can say and do certain things because of his background frankly, because he's a black man. He can address some of these issues. In fact, he had a uh, a, a, thing, a meme on Facebook, which I really like. I'm going to find it and read it to you in a little bit. But I, I'd, I'd love to see Mark Robinson hang in there and continue his job as lieutenant governor because I think he would make a great governor. I would love to see him run for governor. Hang in there, Mark, and lieutenant. I mean, look, I know you're not going to be listening to my advice, but I would love to see you be the governor of North Carolina. Frankly, I think you can do a whole lot more for our state by doing that. And uh, other good candidates are running. And, of course, Mark Walker is uh, announced. We're going to probably have Mark Walker on with us in the next couple of weeks. He's going to be in eastern North Carolina. We're trying to line that up. McCory, 64, served as Charlotte's mayor from 95 to 2009. He lost the race for governor in 2008, but won a decisive victory in 2012. Uh, then he lost to Roy Cooper by 10,000 votes. Uh, if you remember, <laughs> you 
Yeah, I know. I keep harping on it. I don't think Donald Trump lost the last presidential election race. And frankly, I don't think Pat McCrory lost the 2016 race. Uh, Cooper won by 10,000 votes. And remember the uh, boatload of votes that was suddenly discovered at the 12th hour in Durham County. McCory has hosted a weekday morning talk show on WBT since 2017. He has uh, appeared on NBC's Meet the Press on a regular basis. McCory has a 89% name ID among likely Republican primary voters in a state compared to 32% for Walker and Bud. McCory leads in a three-way race in a head-to-head matchup, according to polling addressed uh, to McCory and campaign strategist Paul Shoemaker. Uh, that polling didn't contain Laura Trump's name. So if Laura Trump got into the race, obviously her name ID is going to be pretty high. But 89% is uh, is high. And, of course, being a former governor, I, I would hope it's that high. Democrats jumped right in. So McCory announces this morning and Senator Jeff Jackson, State Senator Jeff Jackson, who is a Democrat, who is also a candidate in the U.S. Senate race, immediately sent a fundraising appeal out that called McCory the former governor whose claim to fame is passing a horrific anti-LGBTQ bathroom bill. Uh, It wasn't an anti-LGBTQ bathroom bill. It was a keep our girls and wives and mothers, our women safe from predators bill. McCory was voted out of office after he uh, embarrassed North Carolina on the national stage while costing the state thousands of jobs, said Stuart Boss, the spokesman for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's a low blow. New laws about rights of transgender people, including access to health care for people under 21 and sports-related issues, are back in the spotlight. In North Carolina, thankfully— We have a number of uh, laws that are being introduced. The Save Women's Sports Act, which we talked about yesterday, which would require athletes in middle school and high school to play on teams based on a person's reproductive biology at birth. The Youth Health Protection Act, which would prevent doctors from performing gender reassignment surgery for transgender people under 21. The Health Care Heroes Conscience Protection Act, which would expand protections for health care providers who refuse to perform health care services on the basis of conscience. The bills have attracted national attention. McCory on his show this morning vowed that his campaign would not be constrained by political correctness or cancel culture. He said he insisted on, uh, during his three year plus radio show, uh, he insisted on that then, and he's going to follow through in his campaign I'm going to change the game and be honest about the complex problems we have in our society, McCory said. Again, we're not going to play the cancel culture game. That was one of the great strengths of President Donald Trump. He didn't care about the cancel culture. Uh, I hope Pat is uh, fully sincere about this, and I hope he will follow through on this. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry to sound a little bit skeptical. I, I like Pat. I thought he was a good governor. Frankly, sometimes he wasn't as conservative as I hope he would be. Uh, I'm glad to hear him say that, but at the same time, is it not how middle-of-the-road Republicans, for that matter, Democrats, run 
when they're running for office, they're a whole lot more conservative when, than when they're actually in office. So uh, we'll see where that goes. I, you know, I would say at this point of the Ted Budd, Mark Walker, and Pat McCrory, I would say McCrory has got the upper hand. If uh, Laura Trump gets in, it will be a, a new set of uh, folks. And uh, if Mark Robinson gets in, it'll be really interesting. Again, I, I don't want to beat this dead horse, but I hope Mark hangs in there as lieutenant governor so he can be our next governor. The voter ID law, which is on trial this week, is uh, really become interesting. The trial continued yesterday. The expert witness called to testify against the voter ID admitted she hadn't read the bill before writing her report, didn't know the primary sponsor was an African-American Democrat, didn't know the bill included seven Democrat-sponsored amendments. This was their expert. Lawyers for the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, a left-wing legal organization, called their expert witness, Professor Carol Anderson, to testify to the law's racist intent. During the questioning, however, Professor Anderson admitted she hadn't even read the bill. Now, she did say she had listened to audio of the bill, but hadn't read it. The lawyer asked, in preparing your report, did you even review the text of Senate Bill 824? Did you? Professor Anderson, not the text. Professor Anderson also confirmed an admission she made previously, which was that she didn't know African-American Democrat Joel Ford sponsored the legislation she called upon to testify about as an expert. <laughs> I'm sorry. If this was their expert... I hate to see you know, just the average person who doesn't know a lot about the bill. The attorney asked, do you know Senator Joel Ford? Do you know who he is? Professor Anderson, no. Do you know what it means to be a primary sponsor of a piece of legislation? Professor Anderson, no. Again, this is their expert witness. The attorney, are you aware that Senator Ford was the primary sponsor of Senate Bill 824? Professor Anderson, no. Are you aware that Senator Ford is African-American? Professor Anderson, no. Is it your opinion that his support for Senate Bill 824 was an act of white rage? Professor Anderson, are you ready for this? African-Americans can have white rage. <laughs> Professor Anderson also made the startling admission that she didn't know that Democrats offered seven, seven amendments that were added to the final bill. Lawyer, are you aware that the North Carolina General Assembly adopted seven amendments sponsored by the Democrats on Senate Bill 824? Professor Anderson, I did not know that. Whew. This expert testimony reveals the anti-voter ID case is based on nothing but rhetoric and baseless smears. Yeah, this is, uh, this is bizarre. Um, I mean, it's bizarre that you would have your expert witness... How can you have any respect for this group, the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, that they would come in this unprepared? But, I mean, here's the bottom line. Constantly, liberals, progressives, all they can do is play the race card, and they're doing it again. 
I mean, this, this person doesn't know anything about this bill. This person is strictly playing the race card. If I scream racist, white supremacy, everybody's going to cower. And, and unfortunately, a lot of t- people do cower. <laughs> Delta Airlines, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, they're all cowering. There was a uh, memo sent out by Jim Perry just talking about uh, the different Democrat legislators and what they said about the bill. Senator Floyd McKissick said, and I quote, i just like to say, and this is after the bill was introduced in, in December of 2018, or it, it became law in December of 2018, um, going back after the bill was uh, in, introduced and voted upon McKissick. I'd just like to say thank you to Republican senators for their work on this bill and being open and inclusive in listening to us on the other side of the aisle and trying to come up with something that it is. It's reasonable in terms of its approach, so I want to thank you for that effort. Erica Smith, who is now condemning the bill, by the way, I want to thank the bill's sponsors for the hard, that, uh, the hard work that you've been doing in negotiating and accepting many of the m- amendments that have been placed before you. Uh, Terry Van Dunn, I want to very sincerely acknowledge the work that Republican senators did, particularly around amendments that have been brought to you by my colleagues, my Democratic colleagues. I'm very grateful for everything that you've incorporated. Senator Mark Mike Woodward, uh, we appreciate the Republicans caucus amending the bill to allow insurance of voter IDs during the early voting or, or the issuance of uh, voter IDs during early voting. Um, and. This expert witness had no clue. What do you call an expert witness that's clueless? <laughs> Not too bright. And, and and this coalition, the Southern Coalition, didn't think this would happen? Did, did she think that the Republicans defending their bill and the attorneys representing the Republicans— we just roll over and play dead. Oh, please don't call us racist. Oh, we'll take away the bill. Please don't call us racist. <laughs> We're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. For a Wednesday, we'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 23 minutes past the top of the hour. It is April the 14th. On this day, 156 years ago, President Lincoln was shot by John's Wil- John Wilkes Booth attending the uh, comedy Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington. 119 years ago, in 1902, J.C. Penney opened its first store in Wyoming. The C stands for cash. The J stands for James. 109 years ago, 1912, the unsinkable Titanic collided with an iceberg on its maiden voyage. This is a rough day. Well, J.C. Penney's wasn't rough, but wow. Uh, Take a look at your weather forecast. Mostly cloudy tonight, all around 61. Around midnight or so, we're going to have a 70% chance of rain, which will be with us pretty much the rest of the night. Wind gusts tonight could get up to 22 miles per hour. Your low will be around 61. Thursday, a chance of showers in the morning. Then it clears off with a high near 70. And uh, sunny on Friday with a high near 69. And uh, a little gusty, but uh, overall, 
pretty nice on uh, Friday. Town Hall is reporting that the woke crowd, who has no idea what the Georgia voting law really entails, Will Smith has announced that he will no longer shoot his movie Emancipation in Georgia, citing the controversial new voting law. The Apple Incorporated production in which Smith stars as a real-life fugitive from slavery who became famous for a photograph of his whipped scar back was going to start filming in Georgia on June the 21st. The director of the film, Smith, called the voting rights law regressive and said it's designed to restrict voter access. Emancipation is the first major project to publicly break from the state, a popular filming destination because of its tax incentives and studio space. The move may inspire others to take a similar course of action. Quote, the new Georgia voting law are reminiscent of voting impediments, which were passed at the end of the reconstruction to prevent many Americans from voting. The production company said in a statement, regrettably, we feel compelled to move our film work from Georgia to another state. Interestingly, um, the Washington Post has announced that the film will now move to the more restrictive voting state of Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana also requires photo ID. And um, it permits slightly less than half the number of early voting days, as Georgia does, though it's still more than the zero days allowed in Joe Biden's blue state of Delaware. uh, Louisiana does not allow no-excuse absentee voting, just like Chucky Schumer's state of New York. (laughs) Take a bow, Apple, Will Smith, and Georgia Democrats. You've struck quite a blow for justice or whatever. Whatever. So, Stacey Abrams. Now, I did not know this. I was reading on National Review. They ran a story last week. Stacey Abrams has written a book, Our Time Is Now. When you get to page 89, the reader is probably numb with relentless contentions that any effort to make the Georgia election system more secure or economical uh, any bureaucratic mistake or inefficiency is evidence of a dastardly scheme to suppress the vote. However, the reader will be jolted awake when Abrams writes how while in the state legislature in 2011, she actually was elected to the state legislature in 2011, she co-sponsored legislation. Are you ready for this? She co-sponsored Stacey Abrams co-sponsored legislation to slash the early voting period in Georgia in half. And she succeeded, by the way. Stacey Abrams suppressed. I mean, if you follow her logic now, Stacey Abrams suppressed the vote in Georgia and did it more blatantly than anything in the state's new voting law, which will actually extend early voting hours in many places. Anyone calling the Georgia law Jim Crow 2.0 at the very least uh, has their enumeration wrong. Stacey Abrams supported the bill in 2011. Uh, thus she was 2.0. If you want to rename this, I guess you got to name it 3.0. The Abrams legislation cut the days for early voting from 45 all the way down to 21. (laughs) I bet you didn't know that you gotta, you gotta dig down to find the details 
I mean, it is it is amazing how untrustworthy and how lazy mainstream media journalists are and how they are tickled pink to offer a false narrative. By the way, there's a uh, story out, a follow-up story to the uh, CNN story. Find it in my uh, pile of uh, stories here. That um, the uh, Project Veritas story that we were talking about yesterday, CNN technical director Charlie Chester admitted that the network is focusing now on allegations against Matt Gates to, quote, keep hurting him. In the Project Veritas video, he said, if the agenda, say, is to, like, get Matt Gates right now, he's like this Republican, Chester says. He's a problem for the Democratic Party because he's so conservative and he can cause a lot of hiccups in passing of laws and whatnot. So it would be great for the Democratic Party to get him out. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him and make it so it can't be buried and just settled outside of the court. And just like, you know, if we keep pushing that, it's helping us. That's propaganda because it's helping us in some way, he admitted in the video. In other clips, Project Veritas released, Chester admits CNN's goal was to get former President Trump out of office, that they created propaganda about the 45th president's health, and after the pandemic is over, the network will aggressively pivot to the left's climate change agenda. You cannot trust the mainstream media, period. I don't care how many times CNN says it. I don't care how many times NBC says it, ABC, CBS, MSNBC. You can't trust them. Donald Trump was correct. It's fake news. And I know we hear these stories and, you know, after a while you keep hearing them over and over again and you see them in a mainstream media paper and you say, well, maybe there's something there. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, and, and look, I, I can even take a double take. I when this Matt Gates story first came up, I mean, I, and again, I, I, you know, you always wonder, is there a grain of truth there? Truth there? I, Matt Gates. I mean, I, I, I do not know. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't, you know, I can't look into the, the heart of Matt Gates and know exactly what the truth is, but I saw it and I, I did a double take. Then I thought, wait a minute, look who this is coming from. <laughs> you can't believe anything. I, I, I'm, I'm floored that anybody would tune to CNN. Speaking of a false narrative, did you know that the 20-year-old black man who was shot in Minneapolis, um, Dante Wright, had an open warrant for his arrest related to an aggravated armed robbery attempt? Wright and another man identified as Emma J. Maurice Driver, a high school acquaintance, had both been charged with first-degree aggravated robbery in December of 2019 in an incident in Minnesota. According to the documents, Wright and Driver went to a party at an apartment at the 600 block of North Oaks Drive, about five miles from Brooklyn Center, where Wright was fatally shot. Around 2.30 a.m., back in December of 2019, two women at the home told Wright and Driver they needed to leave, but the two men said they did not have a ride. The women reportedly allowed the two to spend the night. 
In the morning, one of the two women left the apartment to get $820 to pay rent to the other woman. After paying the rent, she left for work. As Wright and Driver were waiting for their rides, the other woman who stayed behind said Wright allegedly blocked the door, preventing her from leaving. Wright then allegedly pulled a black handgun with silver trim out from either his right waistband or his right coat pocket, pointed it at the woman, and demanded the $820. The victim asked, are you serious? To which he said, give me the blanking money. I know you have it. When she said again, if he was serious, he allegedly told her, I'm not playing around. Wright then allegedly choked the woman. The court documents say she was able to pry herself loose, loose, started to kneel down and scream. She told authorities that she allegedly heard driver tell her to give her the money to Wright, who was yelling at her to stop screaming. She reportedly screamed at them to get them out of the apartment, telling them the cops were close. Wright allegedly told her that he would shoot her, give me the money and we will leave, give me the money and we will go. He allegedly tried to choke her a second time to take the money. Driver allegedly told her to give Wright the money. The two men then left the apartment, got into a white Cadillac, and left the scene without the money. The woman later identified Wright and Driver in photo lineups. Wright was arrested and later released on $100,000 bail. As a a condition of his release, he was to not have contact with the victim or witnesses, had to refrain from drugs and alcohol, could not possess a firearm, Wright's bail was revoked in July because he allegedly possessed a firearm, was not keeping in touch with his uh, patrol officer. The case was still pending when Wright was pulled over on Sunday for having an expired license plate. Police then tried to arrest him on an outstanding warrant. After failing to appear in court on charges, uh, he fled from the officers. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. The uh, female police officer, uh, Kim Potter, pulled out what she thought was a taser. It was her revolver and shot the individual. And uh, he later died not too far down the road. Um, By the way, Kim Potter has been arrested today for second-degree manslaughter in the death of um, Wright. Body, Body camera footage showed the incidents. Potter yelling, taser, taser, multiple times. Right resisting. And, and by the way, they tried to handcuff the guy. He started fighting with the officers, got back into the car, and that's when she thought she was going to tase him. Um, unfortunately, she pulled her revolver out and shot uh, Wright, uh, who later died. I, again, I, I'm, I, I'm not trying. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope and I assume that it was an accident. The situation, though, is such that I'm not trying to justify what was a a horrible incident. And the individual, regardless of what they did, did not, the, the, the shooting wasn't justified. But will you hear the other side of the story? If the other side of the story was played out fully, if the information was given fully, would we have this Brooklyn Center being burned to the ground. Would we have buildings over in Portland burned to the ground? Will we have rioting going on? People, I mean, there are stories out there now where people lost their businesses to vandalism from George Floyd 
went back, rebuilt their buildings, rebuilt their businesses, brought in new merchandise, reopened their businesses, and they're, they're destroyed again. And listen, they're not going to be able to get insurance. I don't know if the insurance will pay it a second time. I don't know if they had insurance for the second time. If they did, they were paying through the nose. And I doubt if they're going to get insurance a third time. At this point, the insurance companies are saying, this is your final check, if, if, if they even get a check. Compare that situation today. The Joe Biden Department of Justice came out and said they will not pursue charges against the U.S. Capitol Police officer who allegedly shot and killed Ashley Babbitt during the January 6th riot in Washington, D.C. An investigation conducted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia determined that there is insufficient evidence to support a criminal prosecution. Authorities had considered for months whether criminal charges were appropriate for the Capitol Police officer who fatally shot Babbitt, 35, an Air Force veteran from San Diego. The Justice Department decision, though expectedly officially closes out the investigation, prosecutors said they had reviewed the video of the shooting along with statements from the officer involved and the other officers and witnesses, examined physical evidence from the scene, and reviewed the autopsy results. Specifically, the investigation revealed no evidence to establish that at the time the officer fired the single shot at Ms. Babbitt, the officer did not reasonably believe that it was necessary to do so in self-defense or in defense of the members of Congress and others evacuating the House chamber, prosecutors said. Babbitt's family had been notified of the decision, the official said. Again, I, I'm I, in reaction to this shooting, both of the shootings. I mean, this is just a huge double standard. We don't even know who the officer was in the Capitol shooting. Did you know that Kim Potter's address has already been doxed? They're already doxing her, and they've had to put concrete barriers around Kim Potter's house so that it won't be burned down. But yet we don't know who this police officer, and I, I, I don't, I'm not passing judgment on the police officer, and I'm not coming out and, and saying that what Ashley Babbitt did was, was okay. I mean, you know, they, they busted through a door, and she started to climb through the window of, of this door that led in the, to the inner sanctums of the Capitol, where, where Congress people were. And I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not condemning the shooting and I'm not justifying what Ashley Babbitt did, but I'm pointing out the double standard. It, 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 you know, the old adage, it depends on whose cow's getting gored. It, it depends on what your political narrative is. If you want to vilify anybody that's conservative, eh, that's all right. We'll go along with that. But yet if, uh, it, if it fits your narrative, then we'll uh, we'll go with that. We'll go that that okay. People like um, the uh, police officer in Minneapolis and now Kim Potter, you know, it's it's okay to vilify them because that fits our narrative. We've got to take another time out. Speaking of a <laughs> a narrative, boy, Jin Saki stepped into it. We'll talk about that when we get back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 1037. Welcome back in. 17 minutes before the top of the hour. 
You know, sometimes you just can't justify the insanity in our world. Think about these things. If a guy pretends to be a woman, you are required to pretend with him. Somehow it's un-American for the census to count how many Americans there are in America. True. Russians influencing our election are bad, but illegals voting in our elections are good. (laughs) It was cool for Joe Biden to blackmail the president of Ukraine, but it was an impeachable offense if Donald Trump inquired about it. 20 is too young to drink a beer, but 18 is old enough to vote. People who have never owned slaves should pay slavery reparations to people who have never been slaves. People who have never been to college should pay the debts of college students who took out huge loans for their own degrees. Immigrants with tuberculosis and polio are welcome, but you better be able to prove your dog is vaccinated. (laughs) Irish doctors and German engineers who want to immigrate to the United States must go through a rigorous vetting process, but any illiterate gang member or terrorist who jumps the southern border fence is welcome. $5 billion for border security is too expensive, but $1.5 trillion for free health care is not too much. (laughs) If you cheat to get into college, you go to prison, but if you cheat to get into the country, you go to college for free. People who say there's no such thing as gender are now demanding that we have a female president. Think about it. We see other countries going socialist and collapsing, but that seems like a great plan for us. Some people are held responsible for things that have happened before they were born, and other people are not held responsible for what they're doing right now. Criminals are caught and released to hurt more people, but stopping them is bad because it's a violation of their rights. And pointing out all this hypocrisy somehow makes us xenophobic and racist. Uh, That is not original with me. Somebody sent that to me. I don't know who the author is, but I love it. Todd Starnes is reporting that Jen Psaki seems to think white evangelicals are a bunch of uncultured redneck hicks. There were raised eyebrows in churches across America when White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki described white evangelical Christians as a bunch of uncultured rednecks. Psaki made the disparaging comments while explaining how the Biden administration was trying to encourage white evangelicals to take the China virus vaccine. Here's Saki from last week. Also investing $3 billion to states and community-based organizations to strengthen vaccine confidence in the highest risk and hardest hit communities. And often people uh, think of that as just black and brown communities, and that is not. As you've noted, that is also conservative communities, white evangelicals. It's a range of communities around the country. What we found to be most effective is to work with these local organizations. So faith-based organizations, community health organizations, civic leaders, and others who can really get this message deeply uh, in communities. We've also had a number of our um, members of our COVID team from Dr. Fauci and uh, and Dr. Collins uh, participate, as an example, participate in a range of meeting interviews. You know, an example is Dr. Collins participated in the 700 Club. Dr. Nunez-Smith hosted a Faith Leaders Roundtable. Uh, we're also looking for, we've run PSAs on the deadliest catch. 
we're engaged with NASCAR and Country Music TV. We're looking for a range of creative ways to get directly connected to white conservative communities. We won't always be the best messengers, but we're still trying to meet people where they are, but also empower local organizations. <laughs> well, golly! I'll circle back on that one. Yeah, I bet you will. So, we're, we're, I mean, you know, according to uh, Democrats, we're a basket of smelly deplorables. We shop at Walmart. We cling to our guns and religion. And we're a bunch of hayseeds who all we do is listen to country music and watch NASCAR. Um, and she's dead serious. But Joe Biden, Joe Biden came out and said early on in his administration that uh, he wants to remind Americans not to stereotype others. Don't be judgmental. Their idea that only white conservatives sit around watching the deadliest catch country music TV and listen to and watch NASCAR. Um, that's pretty much where they are. And that's pretty much where they think we are. Fake news. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, this, you know, uh, we want to reach the black community. So therefore we're um, putting PSAs on good times. <laughs> now, speaking of the uh, laughing hyena, Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. I'm speaking. I know. Don't interrupt me. Vice President Kamala Harris still has no concrete plans to visit the southern border, even after Biden designated her to deal with it. Guatemala's president joined the Mexico president and blamed Joe Biden for the border crisis during a sit-down interview with MSNBC. He said, quote, I believe that in the first few weeks of the Biden administration, messages were confusing. You think they were compassionate messages that were understood by people in our country, especially the coyotes to tell families we'll take the children and the children can go. And once the children are there, they will call their parents. Migrants fleeing El Salvador and Honduras have traveled through Guatemala and Mexico in order to reach the U S border. More than 20,000 unaccompanied migrant children are now in U.S. uh, custody, thanks to Joe Biden's invitation. The Guatemalan president went on to say that he has seen coyotes carry out horrible acts like tossing toddlers over high walls. You've seen that. You saw the video. It was on our website. It was on our Facebook page. This is not humane behavior, the Guatemalan president said, slamming Biden. I mean, Biden is selling this as if he is the humane, compassionate one. The Guatemalan president went on to say, what I can say is that no government, no matter how large or strong, can have a gigantic apparatus that would be required to address 30 or 40,000 people in detention centers and have them all in a status where they're claiming refuge. As we explained, many of these issues can be corrected, but we have to work together, he said. I mean, that's a real nice way of saying, um, cousin Eddie, you have made a gigantic disaster and you're putting all kinds of Latin American individuals in harm's way. You're, I mean, it, this is unbelievable. And yet Joe Biden, with the help of the mainstream media, continues to take bows as if he is one of the most compassionate human beings that's ever walked on the face of the earth. So now Kamala Harris has said she was not going to visit the border, 
But is it not interesting that she is now saying that she is going to visit Central America, specifically Mexico and Guatemala? Now, why do you think that is? Quite frankly, the only thing I can think of is that she wants to go back down there to reinstitute what Donald Trump had successfully done. And that is stop these migrants at the Guatemalan and Mexican borders. Why would she be going down there otherwise? Now, and she's keeping it pretty secretive. Why? Because I don't think she wants to announce that she's actually going down there to re-implement, reintroduce the Trump policy. Why? Because Donald Trump will get some credit. That's why. She wants to go down there and quietly do this. And then if, if, if the traffic stops, then they'll take bows as if they introduce these policies themselves. Same thing they did with the coronavirus. Same, you know, and the, and the vaccine and the distribution. In, in other words, they don't have a, a, a lot that they can brag about on their own. They've got to take other people's ideas. Speaking of which, I know we've got to take a break. All right, I'll, I'll share this one when we get back. We've got to take a break. Speaking of which, hang on. I'll give it to you when we get back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Okay, so speaking of stealing ideas for Donald Trump, from Donald Trump, and then acting like they're your own, um, Crazy Joe announced earlier today his plans for a U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan this year. Like, this was all his idea. So Joe announces the U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, echoing the Trump plan. Uh, what's interesting about this, though, is not only is he going to take the bows like this was his great idea that no one ever thought of, but how many people watched the White House YouTube channel? Now, again, the mainstream media wants you to believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, 81 million votes. How many people were watching the White House YouTube channel to hear this announcement? 1,530. I mean, come on. <laughs> the president of the United States. That's not even a respectable number. Yeah. I mean, well, what is what is the percentage? Uh, I mean, is that like a hundredth of one percent of 81 million votes? Now, obviously, you're not going to have 81 million voters, but 1,530? <laughs> not too good. Hey, listen, we uh, thank you for joining us today. We'll do it again tomorrow on Thursday. We'll play a little political trivia. Got a good question, a great prize package. We'll see you tomorrow at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.